Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. This morning, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Brother Joe called this Missions Sunday, and I guess it is. Amen. We're going to, I've felt impressed for a while now, um, for months really, that the Lord has put it on my heart to put a focus on missions. Amen. Uh, missions are a focus of our church. We support missions uh, financially. We, we support them with our prayers. Amen. I hope so. Amen. I hope you're praying. This morning in Sunday school, uh, in lieu of a regular uh, Sunday school lesson, we went through the list of the missionaries that we support. I talked to them a little about each one and what their ministry is, and then we prayed for them. Amen. We prayed for their protection, we prayed for their provision, and we prayed that God would bless their ministry, that people would be saved, and that God would use them to do whatever work He wants to do. Amen. And so should we all pray for our missionaries. Amen. We should think on them. We should consider them. We're going to do that today, but first I want to preach to you uh, from the book of Romans chapter 10. As I was praying and seeking the Lord, uh, just trying to get leadership and figure out where to go this morning and and what to say, you know, there's a lot in the Bible that could be said about missions, amen. We could look at the life of men like Paul, and we will look at some of Paul's words this morning, uh, who was a great missionary, amen, who gave his life to the work of a missionary and ended up dying for it, amen. Uh, He became a martyr of the mission. The mission which is the great commission. That is to go forth into all nations and preach the gospel. Amen. But in Romans chapter 10, we look at the book of Romans. You've all heard, I'm sure, the old adage that says, all roads lead to Rome, uh, which comes from the fact that it was the Roman Empire that really established a a road network in history. Uh, they, They revolutionized roads. And the church took advantage of that new technology uh, to get from one place to the next to give the gospel. Amen. That's just one example of how technology can be used as a blessing in the ministry. Uh, Even though my dad says if something don't work half the time, it don't work. And therefore, technology doesn't work. Amen. But for Paul, I believe that this thought was constantly in his mind to go to Rome. I mean, you got to think at that time, what greater field for souls could there have been than the central city of the world at that time. Amen. Rome. But when you read the book of Romans, at this time in Paul's life, he had not yet ever gone to Rome. He was sending a letter of recommendation, and that letter of recommendation became his greatest theological work in the New Testament uh, for his friend Phoebe, who was going to Rome. And he sent this letter for those who were the converted there in Rome, and also those who were not the converted there in Rome, that they might hear his uh, message, and some have even, um, you might say, uh, appreciatively or or affectionately called the book of Romans the gospel according to Paul. Because if you look at the book of Romans, 
it holds within it much of what we know and understand about salvation. In fact, whenever we, if we were to take a Bible and sit down with someone and lead them uh, through the plan of salvation in the Bible, the place where we would eventually wind up after the gospel would be Romans chapter 10. That's right, we go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and we speak to them about salvation. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And these verses are so often quoted. But today I want to go through the chapter 10 of the book of Romans and, and understand this, that this, this uh, theological masterpiece, if we want to call it that, of the book of Romans, Paul deals with a whole lot. But when it comes down to Romans chapter 10, he is very clear. And he tries to be very upfront with what he's trying to say. You might go read Romans chapter 5 and 6 and read some of those passages and you, you might read in some of the earlier passages of Romans and you might find yourself scratching your head sometimes. I mean, there is some real deep stuff in the book of Romans that really takes a lot of prayer and a lot of study to understand. But Romans chapter 10 is not that. Romans chapter 10 is very clear in what he's trying to say. I want to read that to you. We'll start in verse number 1 and read most of the chapter. It's a short chapter. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, of, uh, the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, and that is the word of faith which we preach. Amen. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Verse 10, he reiterates it. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord in heaven, God, we are so thankful today for the Wonderful blessing of being in your house, God. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that we've heard. Thankful, God, that heaven's not so far away. God, we thank you, Lord, this morning for those who have uh, who've come out to be with us. We thank you, God, that it can be 
well with our soul. We thank you for the Sunday school hour and, and those that you helped, Lord, through the teaching and, and everything that went on this morning. And God, we pray now, if you would, God, please speak to us through your word. God, I pray, use me as an empty and willing vessel to deliver your word to these people. God, I pray, please open our hearts to the word of God. Please make us malleable, Lord, and make us movable, Lord. Make us tender to the speaking of the Holy Ghost and Help us, God, to understand what thus saith the Word of God. We need you in this hour. Help me to preach. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to hop right in this morning, first I want to look at the lacking that was in the law. In verse number 1 through verse number 4, Paul addresses an issue that he deals with over and over and over again with lost Jews. With those Israelites who had not been saved, they could not get away from the law. And Paul, in the opening passage of this chapter, he makes something clear. We see Paul's desire. In verse number 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I've heard some say, uh, even, even modern Christians, some uh, go and they, they, they research certain verses, such as the verse that says, All Israel shall be saved, and they tell themselves in their mind they come to a place where they believe that Jews, Jewish folk, true descendants of Israelites don't actually have to be saved the same way that we are. I disagree. Paul said this, my greatest and strongest prayer and desire is that Israel would be saved. And what did Jesus say? He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. The only person who needs to be saved is someone who is lost. Can you say amen? I mean, that's just real good common sense, isn't it? That if you are lost, you need to be saved. Only the sick need a physician, the Lord said. Only the lost need a Savior. And Paul prayed for Israel because he loved Israel. They were his people. Amen. This morning I could ask, I'm sure, if, if any of you have family members who are lost or who maybe are out of church or whatever, and ask you, is it your desire to see them saved? Is it your desire to see them back in church? And some of you would say, yes, absolutely. Well, for Paul, his nationality as an Israelite was very, very important to him. Very important. To a Jewish person, their heritage is possibly the most important thing in their life. Amen. Even more important than God to many of them. Especially in this time. Their heritage of who they were, that they could trace it back to the tribe that they're a part of, all the way back to the first one, whether it be Benjamin or Joseph or whoever, they could trace it all the way back. It was very important to them. And when Paul said that his heart's desire was to see Israel saved, what he's saying is this, I want God to save my people. Amen. That ought to be our desire, to see God save our people, our family members, amen, our friends, our communities, amen the people that we work with and the people that we see, it should be our desire to see them saved. Paul kept getting run out of synagogues. He kept getting run out by the Jews because they didn't like his message, but he never, ever lost a burden to see them saved. It grieved him, the rejection of the gospel. We see Israel's deficit there in verse number, verse number 1, how it said, like I said, only the lost need a Savior. If you back up to... Romans chapter number 9, in the last couple of verses that I'll read them to you quickly. 
Romans 9 and verse 30 says this, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in sign a stumbling stone, and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So what is Paul saying in those verses? He said this, What are we supposed to say? The Gentiles, who were not living righteous, Amen? They were sinners. They were not trying to attain righteousness. They were living a wicked lifestyle. By faith, have gained righteousness. So he said, he said, but then the Jews, the Israelites, they did try to get righteousness by the law. But they didn't do it by faith. They did it by works. As he said there in the first part of, the, of chapter 10, that by their, they were trying to establish their own righteousness. And here's what he said, you can't do it. And they found out there was a stumbling stone. And that stumbling stone that they're falling over, that's Jesus Christ. Because He's grace. Amen. That He is truth and grace. That's the Lord Jesus. And the truth was that He finished the law and that the Jews needed to have faith if they wanted to be righteous. Amen. They couldn't get into it. They couldn't understand it. They didn't realize that they needed a Savior because they thought if they did as good as they could, according to the law, they would be just fine. Amen. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like a lot of folk today. Well, one day I'll die, and when I do, hopefully, the good I've done will outweigh the bad I've done. Here's the problem. That is a fruitless task. That is a hopeless endeavor. You will never give enough, or do enough, or be enough to win your salvation. The only path you have to heaven is clearly outlined in our Bible When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Israel didn't realize they had a deficit, but they did, and they need to be saved. Then we see the law's denouement. You say, what is that? That's a French word, I guess. And it means ending. You say, why'd you use that? Because I wanted to alliterate and I'm crazy. Amen. Denouement is the coming down of a story. And the story of the law is coming down to its end as Jesus is walking to the cross at Calvary. And as He is hanging on that cross and He is fulfilling all the prophecies of which we know there were many, and He is fulfilling the will of His Father and He says, it is finished. He signed the letter on the law and it was done. The law was not destroyed. It was not broken. It was finished. It was not cast out. It was completed. The Lord Jesus lived perfectly. And He fulfilled the law to a T all the way down to the point that He became the Lamb of the law. Amen. And as He did that, as the Lord went and He fulfilled the law, we see here in these verses that Paul's trying to explain it to the Jews. He's trying to get it through to them. Here's what he said about verse 2. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So we know they were very enthusiastic. Enthusiasm won't get you into heaven. Are you listening? Sincerity won't get you into heaven. Amen. Sincerity won't do it. Being a good person and doing the best you can. Wednesday night we looked at the man Cornelius 
how that he was a just man, how that he fasted and prayed and lived holy, guess what? He'd have went to hell if he hadn't met Peter and gotten saved. Because the only way to heaven is through and by the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in Him. Are you all still with me? Amen. We see that they were enthusiastic. They had a great zeal and sincerity. I mean, you look at them. The truth is, many Jews were so bent up on the law that they were, they were afraid to walk over top of a grave because it would make them unclean. Amen. They had all these crazy little things, many of which were made up by men so they wouldn't get close to breaking the law because they were so zealous toward the law. But here's what Paul said. They're zealous, but they don't have knowledge of the truth. They don't have knowledge that Jesus Christ completed the law. They don't understand it. And their zeal, as much as I love their zeal, it's not doing them any good. Amen. We see it how that they were enthusiastic. John Phillips said the Jew wanted a militant Messiah, a lion, but God sent a lamb. The Jews wanted a throne, but God gave a cross. They did not understand God's plan. Amen. And when it was presented to them, they rejected it in their zeal. They were enthusiastic. They were engaged in their faith. Verse number 3 says this, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. We say, what do you mean that they were engaged? They were engaged in their faith. They were not casually trying to live for God. Now, some of them were, but those ones who were devout and those ones who were zealous and those ones who were serious, they were going there all the way and then some just trying to be righteous. But guess what? No matter how religious and engaged they were in their faith, no matter how zealous and enthusiastic they were in their faith, it would not save them. They were trying to establish their own righteousness, and in doing so, they rejected the righteousness of God. Now I know that Jesus tells us that the Pharisees were vipers and of their father the devil and knew not God. That's what Jesus said about them. He said, you're whited sepulchers who on the outside appear beautiful, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. He said they were evil. Amen. Now, not necessarily every one of them, like Nicodemus, we know, had a heart toward the truth of God, and I'm sure there were other examples. But for the most part, as a group, those Pharisees and scribes, they were wicked men. But not every Jew who tried to follow the law was a wicked man, full of pride and, and selfishness. Many of them were engaged and enthusiastic about their faith, but here's what Paul's trying to tell them. That won't get you to heaven. Being a Jew won't get you to heaven. Following the law won't get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you what you need. You know what you need to get into heaven? You need righteousness. Read your Bible. Only the righteous go to heaven. The unrighteous will be cast into the lake of fire. Only the righteous make it to heaven. So what does that mean? Those who are right and holy and clean and pure. And the Jews were spending all their time trying to be those things. You know what the trick was? They couldn't. No amount of giving, no amount of working. We've said it. Nothing you do will make you righteous. You know what makes us righteous? Paul said it. Look at it. He said they were going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Our righteousness is filthy rags. The only righteousness that we have a claim to 
is the righteousness of God given to us through salvation. And I stand before God and give an account of myself, I have one defense. My faith is in Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And that He has given His blood and His righteousness to me. And that by my... Are y'all listening? By my faith in Jesus Christ, I have His righteousness. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is righteousness? Salvation. God gives it to us. Not because of our zeal and enthusiasm. Not because of our holiness and our engagement with the faith. But because we believe. Verse 4. We see they were enthusiastic, they were engaged. And then we see that the law had ended in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that believeth. You see that? Where do we get our righteousness? From the Lord, not the law. Because the law has ended. Paul said it. Christ is the end of the law. And now our righteousness comes through belief, not through works. Amen. You see that? Galatians chapter 3, verse 21 said, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, very righteousness uh, should have been by the law. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Those that believe get the promise of Jesus Christ. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster, look at this, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You know what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3? He said the purpose of the law was to get us to Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, how do we know that it's a sin to steal? The law. How do we know it's a sin to kill and to lie and to commit adultery? Because the law tells us so. Amen. The law had to be given so that men would, first of all, know what is sin, But secondly, to know this, I can't do it. You know what the lesson of the law was? We are all under sin. Paul called it the law of sin and death in the book of Romans. You know what that means? Here's the law. Everybody sins, and that sin's going to make you die. That's the law. Isn't that depressing? (laughs) That's why those Jews every year had to come together and give that offering of atonement that that offering would would not give them forgiveness of sins, but covering of sins. And that covering was all to put it off until one day that law would shine light on Jesus. And when Jesus stepped forward, He finished the law. I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but I want you to see this. There's nothing you can do to get you into heaven. You understand that? There's nothing you can do to get you into heaven. The Bible also tells us that there was a time that God winked at ignorance, but that that time has passed. And God has commanded that all men everywhere 
put their faith in Jesus Christ or else their soul will be damned. That's what our Bible teaches. Whether you're an American, whether you're a European, whether you're an Asian or an African or any part of this world, of any corner, it does not matter if you are a living soul, there is one way to heaven. And that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The lacking of the law is that it just couldn't save us and there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. Verse 25, Galatians 3 said, But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Let me show you number two quickly, the simplicity of salvation. Verse 5, we see while, Paul, while much of Paul's theological explanations, like I told you before, require a deeper look and a deeper study, chapter 10, he tries to make it pretty clear. So after giving us all that information about the Jews and how that they were zealous and how that they were trying to get their own righteousness, but their, their, their righteousness was in vain, they couldn't do it, and that Jesus had ended the law. In verse 5 he says this, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. We see the work of righteousness in verse 5, 6, and 7. It explains how that the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. So what is he saying there? He's referencing a passage in the book of Deuteronomy where Moses is telling the people they couldn't go get the law, they couldn't go get the righteousness that they needed, that God had to bring it to them. They couldn't go up and get it, they couldn't go into the sea and get it, that God had to bring it to them. And now Paul's telling them it's the same with Jesus. You couldn't go get you a Messiah and get you the law and make it the way you wanted it. That it was only going to come the way that God intended it. Amen. I told you before, they wanted a lion and God sent a lamb. They wanted a king and God sent a savior. Amen. And Paul's telling them, you can't go get what you want and make Jesus what you want him to be. He is who he is. And what he did is he did a work of righteousness that only he could do. Only Jesus could go to the cross and die for our sins and commend His Spirit and then raise from the dead three days later. Only Jesus could do that. It's the work of righteousness. And then we see the word of righteousness in verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of righteousness is what is in our heart and understanding by faith. He said it's in your mouth and in your heart. Isn't that what he said? The word's not of thee. Where is it? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. What word is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the same word that John talked about in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's the same word that he talked about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 where he said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What is the Word? What Word? The Word of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Himself being the Word. He is our salvation. In our mouth, and in our heart, we see the Word confirmed. In the last part of verse 9, He says this, Shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The first part of verse 10, For with the heart man believeth, unto righteousness. That's the Word confirmed. How is the Word 
confirmed in us. We confirm it in our hearts by believing it. Believing it. People tell us things all the time, Brother Tim. And when they do, we got to make a choice to believe it or not to believe it. Amen? It's a silly example, but I'll give it to you. Some of y'all know that dumb game everybody's playing now on their phones, Wordle. Y'all heard of that dumb game, Wordle? Uh, y'all can all, y'all can pretend you don't know what I'm talking about, and I know some of you don't, but a bunch of you do. I've seen you playing it on your phones. Amen. You got to guess a five-letter word. It's just a little thing, you know, takes two minutes, a little brain teaser. Well, I started doing it. And the other day, Brooke did it, and she was like, oh, man, I almost got it in two guesses. You got six guesses. Well, I tried my word, and guess what? I got it on the first guess. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. I mean, I've got the proof. I can show you the little clip where I did it. I sent it to someone, look at this. And they said, I don't believe you. You cheated. I didn't. I guessed a word, and it just so happened that that was the right word. It was a few days ago. The word, I think, was scared. I guessed it. Well, you know what? When I tell, I've just told you all that. Some of y'all are sitting there thinking, did he look that up? I did not look it up before the Lord. I did not look it up. I just got lucky. just got very lucky. The odds are very slim, but they do exist. When someone tells you something, you've got to choose whether or not you're really going to believe it. You have to choose. I can't choose for you. No matter what I say or do, there's nothing I can do to make you believe I got that in one guess. I can show it to you, but there's, there's nothing I can do to make you believe it. To believe it, you kind of got to have a little bit of faith in me. But I wouldn't lie to you. To believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God takes faith. I cannot take you to that day at Calvary. I cannot take you to the tomb and watch Him rise from the dead. I can't take you there to watch Him as He ascended into heaven. I can't prove it to you. Just like nobody could prove it to me with my eyes. Faith is not by sight. It's a work of the heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. The confirmation of our faith, the confirmation of the word is belief. You have to believe. Just as I stand here every Sunday and, and preach and you're in Sunday school and the teacher teaches or, or you're wherever you might be and someone tells you, if you're not saved yourself and you die, you will go to a devil's hell. The only thing that can prevent you from that is you believing with your heart. Amen? The word is confirmed in our heart. And the word is confessed with our mouths. Paul said, he said, it's in your mouths and it's in your heart. And he said, with the mouth, with the heart, man believes in righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made in salvation. Verse 9, the first part, he said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Say, so why is there an emphasis on confession? Because if you believe something in your heart, you ought to be willing to say it with your mouth. Amen. Amen. Some believe that uh, UK is the best basketball team. Some believe that this over here is the best football team. Some believe that Chevys are better than Fords. And some believe that Dodge is better than this. And some believe this. And guess what? You're not afraid to tell it. Just let somebody mention Ford if you're a Chevy guy. Just let somebody mention UofL if you're a UK guy. Just let somebody mention the Patriots if you're a Christian and like the Colts. Amen. I'm just kidding. 
I'm joking. I'm joking. 100% joking. Let somebody talk about how Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning, and I'll slap you. No, I'm just kidding. Still, I'm still kidding. We're not afraid to say what we think. We're not, are y'all hearing me? We're not afraid to say what we think. We act like we're so timid and shy. But if somebody gets to talking about something we love like that, we do not hesitate to say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. If we believe, then we will confess. Not just in saying, I'm saved and I'm a Christian, which we should, but in also confessing to others that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the only way to heaven. Amen. We confirm it with our hearts and with our mouths. Our problem is a lot of us want to hide it in our heart and never excuse me, confess it with our mouth. Amen? Paul said this. He said, salvation, it's in the heart and it comes out the mouth. And that's how it works. That's, how, that's why we have a, 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 I will call it a tradition of when someone gets saved in church, we often have them say, what happened to you today? He was, well, I got saved. Amen. My dad would always say, if you died today, do you know where you're going? They said, I go into heaven. And that's them confessing. Because if they're not willing to confess it, is it in their heart? Amen. If I'm not willing to tell you that I'm saved, am I? Now, I've had some people tell me they were when they weren't, Brother Ken, because they never believed in their heart. And for some, it's easy to say it whether they believe it or not. But let me tell you this morning, if you are saved, you, you better be willing to confess it. Amen? That's the word of righteousness. Let me hurry. We see the word of righteousness, and we see the world of righteousness there in the next verse. Verse number 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the Lord, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, God is offering salvation to the Jew on exactly the same terms as the Gentile. And He makes no national difference at all. And that happened after the law was finished. Under the law... The law was not only not achievable by the Jews, but it wasn't even available to the Gentiles. Not really. But now, under grace, Paul said this, in the eyes of God and salvation, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. There is no difference between a Hebrew and a Gentile. That we are all under sin, and we can all be saved. Amen. Thank God that we can all be saved. We looked at it Wednesday night talking about Cornelius and how that when Cornelius told Paul that, that God had, had, or excuse me, Peter, that God had told him to bring him there and, and Peter's like, what are you going to say to me? And then Cornelius said, I brought you here and the Lord said, you tell me something. And as Peter looked around, he realized that God brought him there to give those Gentiles the gospel. You know what Paul said? The gospel is for everybody. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what that means? It means you don't have to have a good home life to be saved. You don't, you don't got to have a good job to be saved. You don't got to have a certain social status to be saved. You don't got to have a certain heritage to be saved. You know, the Jews wouldn't even sit at a meal with a Gentile. They wouldn't go into their house. They wouldn't walk down their streets. Here's what Paul said. God has brought salvation to everyone. And that's the world of righteousness, is that the world can be righteous. 
Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord by grace through faith shall be saved. We'll give you this last thing and we'll be done today. We've looked at the lacking in the law and the simplicity of salvation. Now I want you to see the mission of the minister in this passage. Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When Paul wrote those words, when he was saying that, he was, in a sense, fulfilling the great commission the Lord had given in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, where Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. I wonder what they thought when the Lord said that. Well, he, he means just the Jews, right? Come to find out, that's not what he meant. It's like he told Peter, he said, What I've called clean, call thou not uncommon. Amen? Or call thou not common, excuse me. Mark chapter 16, the Lord gave them a commission, a great commission. And this morning I want to emphasize, because there's people in here, I'm going to tell you right now, who I just, I'm not sure, are you, that you've been saved? Do you know right now you've been saved? And when I say I'm not sure, what I mean is I've never heard from your mouth your testimony of salvation. You're here and you tell me you're saved and amen, I believe you. But are you saved? Because I'm going to tell you, being here this morning won't get you into heaven. Giving to the offering earlier won't get you into heaven. The only thing that will save you from eternity in hell is faith in Jesus Christ. If you yourself, not mom and dad, not granny and grandpa, none of that, not the preacher, not the deacon, not the Sunday school teacher, you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did at Calvary and you ask Him to save you. And you believe and accept. Amen. You believe it. And then you confess it. Then you can be saved. And if you have not done that, then you are lost. Amen. That's what Paul was telling them. But then he said this. He kind of changed gears a little bit. He talked a little bit about the Great Commission here in the back part of the chapter. He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's talking about that message of the gospel. Here is the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ came and he lived a holy life and he died and was resurrected. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. Paul said, this is the message. This is the message of the gospel. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not the law. It's Jesus. And whosoever will call on Him, believing and confessing, can be saved. Amen? They talk about the method of the gospel. First, we see in verse number 14, we're sent. Amen? How then shall they call on Him? So He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Period. But how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now let me say this. I've heard some say you can only get saved in church when a preacher is preaching. And that's not true. Amen. But, to be saved, you have to have heard the gospel. And in a sense, that's preaching. Amen? The Bible preaches to me, I'm just going to tell you. Amen? And I've seen men and women and young people give someone the gospel and deliver the truth. The power of God and salvation is not preaching. 
It's the gospel. Amen. But Paul's making a very clear statement here. And the statement is this. We are the ones who have got to get the gospel out. Now, preaching is the method that God has used for declaring the gospel. That doesn't mean that you can't share the gospel. Doesn't mean that you can't even preach the gospel in a sense of giving it to someone else. Amen. But the gospel is the message. Amen. We said that, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the message. So the method is this, that at the end of the day, we are all commanded, according to the Great Commission, to go into the world and give the gospel to everybody. We are. Now, you and I are probably not going to go to China or Taiwan and give the gospel. Now, God may call you to be a missionary, and if He does, amen. But the truth is, you're probably not going to do that. Looking around, a lot of you, some of you maybe that are or younger, who knows what the Lord's got in store for you. But those of us who are now getting up into our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it may be, there, there may not ever be a door for you to go to, to, to Haiti and share the gospel. But you know where you can? Right here. Your mission field is right here. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Your mission field is at your place of employment. Now, I'm not telling you to paint a big sign on and stand outside the door where you work and preach, repent or go to hell. I'm not telling you to do that. But if you've never shared the gospel with anybody you work with, you are failing the Great Commission. I've failed it. Anybody, anybody else in here this morning failed to share the gospel? It's time to wake up. Brother Edu in the Philippines is sharing the gospel. You know where he's sharing the gospel? In the Philippines. That's his mission field. You know where yours is? Right here. Yours is in your house to your children or your brothers and sisters or your parents or your grandparents, whoever it may be in your life that has not been saved. You are a missionary to them. You're a missionary because you have a mission. And that mission is to share the gospel. And your field is in your home. It's in your place of employment. It's in your school. It's at the grocery store. Looking at that young woman or that young man who's checking you out at the grocery store and you take one look at them and you know their life is a wreck. Instead of acting like the Jews did and curling up our nose at them and saying, well, you're not like us. Let's love them and give them the gospel. That's your mission field. And we are sent. Not just Brother Edu and these other people we're going to discuss here in a little while. Not just them. You are. Where? Where you are here. If, if you're where God wants you to be, you know what happened? God sent you there. He sent me here into this work, in this church. He sent you where you are. Say, well, I've lived here my whole life. Amen. And how'd you get there? You was born. Well, guess what? God put you there. Who was it that determined that you were going to be the one born to your parents in your town, in your state? It was the Lord. He's the one who guides our steps. Amen. We are sent. How are they going to believe if they have not heard? And How are they going to hear? Well, I'm not a preacher. All right. Give them a gospel track and invite them to church. I'll preach to them. Well, they won't come. Keep asking. They get mad. Well, 
Find a new way of asking. Bribe them with breakfast. Do whatever you got to do. Give them a track. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're praying for them. And if they won't hear anything else, just say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. If somebody gets mad at you for saying you love them and praying for them, they got problems. Amen. You're sent to your mission field, and it's here. What are you doing to reach your field? God has given us this place. And we're talking this Tuesday about going out and giving out some flowers and sharing gospels. And the moment Brother Joe said it this morning, some of you made 10 excuses in your head why you couldn't do it. What are you doing in your field? Now, I know there's some who actually, you're working, whatever it may be, you cannot be there. Find you some other time, amen? If you can come, it's a lot easier when you've got a group of people than it is when you're by yourself. And it's a lot easier with 10 than it is with two. Amen. What are you going to do? Are you going to just let this wash over you? Ah! And go on with your life like God's not trying to talk to you right now when we all know He is and you know He is? We're sent. What are we going to do with it? God is sending more all across the world. When Paul said the Jew, the Greek, we're all the same and we all need salvation, here's what he's saying. There are so many souls out there. I'll probably never be a missionary in some third world country unless the Lord just really changes the direction of my life. Many of you, it's the same. Some of you, maybe that is what God's going to lead you to do. I don't know. But I can tell you this right now, God has sent some people into some ministries and into some works that you and I will never personally be a part of. Like Brother Devin and Miss Teresa Hargrave, who are missionaries to children's juvenile detention centers and schools, reaching young men and women whose lives are a wreck and trying to give them the gospel. Like Brother David Gibbs and his people in, his court, in NCLL who are standing behind the, the desk and, and in these courts and trying to protect God's people doing a work that you and I cannot do. Amen. Like Brother Lee Watts, who goes to the Capitol and stands and gives, gives devotions to lawmakers and preaches the gospel and gives out tracts. Amen. And is going to those who are leading our country and trying to lead them to the Lord. Like Brother Paul and Miss Lisa Stewart in a dangerous place. Amen. Dangerous places in the world where things are, are just going crazy and going wrong. Like the Jackson family in Canada, I believe, right? The Jacksons are in Canada. Up there where right now and throughout the last two years, Canada has over and over and over again shut down churches and put pastors in jail for having church. And why are they there? Because God sent them there. Because how shall they hear unless they have a preacher? And verse 15 says this, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it's written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. Those glad tidings of good things, like we get when Miss Sam gets up and gives us a letter from a missionary explaining how God's blessing, like when Brother Edu posts pictures of, of that family that got saved, and, and we're seeing those glad tidings of good things coming to us, and the glad tidings of good things going to the lost, when they're bringing them the best news there ever has been, that Jesus Christ came, died, and resurrected for us. Amen. They're sent to a place where you and I are not where you and I are not at, where we can't do that work that they can do. Like uh, Brother Jeremy Schott and his family traveling across the nation 
putting on these, these big activities and preaching to families and children. Amen. People that you and I will, may never have an opportunity to even meet, they're preaching the gospel to them. Like Brother Edu in the Philippines. Amen. Like, uh, like the Damascus family in Scotland that we support. And like Brandon and Sheena, you are in the Navajo Nation. Amen. How many of y'all have gone to the Navajo Nation to preach to them? How many of y'all have gone to the reservations and given them the gospel? The truth is you may never do it, but they are. Because God sent them. Because how shall they hear and how shall they believe unless they have a preacher who is sent by God? Amen. Like Brother Benjamin and Miss Patricia Boyles going over to the Balkans after having lived their whole lives down in Brazil in the work of the gospel. Like Brother Bobby Stewart and Faith for America who is going to all the congressmen and trying to get meetings with Donald Trump and with these governors and all these people to give them the gospel. People that you may never have a chance to meet with. He's doing everything he can to meet with them because he's been sent to do it. We're sent here. God is sending them out there. The sad truth is this. Before they can ever believe it, they've got to hear it. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The only way that all these souls can be saved is if someone God is trying to send will go and preach the gospel. I just listed a few families and individuals whose ministry is preaching the gospel, going and sharing the gospel. We support them financially. Amen. In doing that, we are fulfilling a part of the Great Commission. Well, I'm not in Africa, or I'm not in China, or I'm not in South America, or whatever. Amen, you're not. But by God bringing these people into our lives and allowing us to be a blessing to them, our work goes forward to the furtherance of the gospel. And that's good. Amen. Our church is doing that. And if you're a part of this church, and you're supporting missionaries, then you are a part of the work that they're doing. If you give to missions, when Brother Edu posts those pictures, it should be a special blessing to you because your work is contributing to their work. Amen. Amen. It's, isn't that a blessing to know that we can be a part of that? And I believe that when we stand before God, that that'll be part of that gold and silver and precious stone. How that we facilitated the gospel even in, ways, in places where we couldn't do it ourselves. Amen. I can't be the pastor of Cabarrillo Baptist Church and a missionary in Africa. I can't do both. But what I can do is while I'm here and I'm working my field, I can do what I can to help them working their field. Amen? The sad truth is there are always going to be some who hear and don't believe. But my goodness, what about the ones who hear and do believe? The field is so much larger than Shepherdsville, Kentucky. And we are a part 
of a great work by the extension of our support of these men and women who have, y'all know they uproot their lives, right? They leave their families. Well, they take, no, I'm, I'm talking about their parents. Some have lost their parents thousands of miles away, and no way home. Their brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles, all the people that you, you go to Thanksgiving and Christmas and you see them, some, they don't get to do that because they're in China or they're in South America. They uproot their lives and they sacrifice those things that we all enjoy in our field for the work of the gospel. They leave their house that they built or bought. They leave their cars and their things. They leave their good jobs, some of them. And they live on pennies. Why? Because they've been sent. We are helping God send them. In fact, when you pick up a missionary's prayer card, you ever look at a prayer card? Somewhere on that card, it'll have this phrase, sending church. And that carries a lot of connotation with it. It means our faith is like faith with this church. You want to know what we believe? We are in like faith with this church. And this church supports us, and this church is facilitating us to go and, and all those things. But that's just the way it is. God sends them, God calls them, and then God calls on us to help send them. Amen? My question to you this morning is twofold, and I'm going to ask Miss Brandy to come to the piano. I appreciate you doing that, Miss Brandy. As a piano player myself, I can't tell you how many Sundays, Wednesdays, and special services where I was stuck on a piano. Amen? And I say that a little bit jokingly. Sometimes the Lord would deal with me, and I would need to pray or, or, or want to pray. And I'm on the piano, so I've got to pray while I play. And sometimes that's hard to do, amen? I appreciate your sacrifice, Miss Brandy. I want to submit to you two, a two-fold invitation. One, I guess threefold. First of all, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? I'm, I know this has been a little bit of a lengthy message, but I think it's needed. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be saved? If you haven't, nothing else I'm going to say matters to you. Hell is your home. It's a real place. You need God. And the only thing you can do to be saved is believe and confess. And it's so easy. It's a gift of God. Well, I've been a church member all these years. Don't slink off into hell a church member. Hell ought not have any church members, Brother Tim. Hell ought not have any soul who sat in a service and heard the gospel preached. You're privileged. Don't go to hell with your head held high. Bow at an altar. Ask God to save you. Secondly, are you going into the field that God has sent you to? Are you doing what you can to reach the lost in your community, in your job, in your school, in your family? Are you doing the work? Because if you're not, Who's going to? We have been sent to this place. And thirdly, are you a part of this worldwide ministry? You say, well, I go to this church. Amen. 
If you're a part of this church, this, this church is a part of worldwide ministry. But have, have, are you a part? Is God using you to facilitate and send missionaries? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.